folks, it is time to play the game. Welcome to Kaiser's Castle, Castle Talk Radio, exclusively on PSN Radio Network. Uh, we give a shout out to a couple other radio networks, uh, WPRPN, World Pie Radio Podcast Network, and the ACR, Alternative Current Radio Network. Uh, anyways, um, there's uh, something I saw today before we start this show, and it is time to play the game. And before I start saying that, get into uh, something that I just found. I don't know if it was a lefty or righty. Grab a seat on my big orange couch. Grab yourself a coffee, tea, soda, and or adult libation, and chill out and relax. As me and my brother, Holland Van den Neuenhoff, go on and talk about something, I found this link from a guy by the name of, and I always give attributions when I find something that I think is really well written. Jake, Jacob Weinsick. Okay. I have no idea whether he's right, left, whatever, but he had something that was, it was very clear, although we can differ on a couple of things and we probably do, but I do like the sentiment of it. The Capitol Hill riot was a disgrace to the Republic and a tragedy for its citizens. There are now deeper and far more consequential questions to ask that no longer can be avoided. Is the American Republic worth defending? Is the Congress, along with the other institutions, worth preserving? Will we wholly defend private and public property? Over the past several years, we've sadly been answering no to all of the above. Riots in the streets, occupations of state capitals and universities... We've seen public, private individuals threatened at home for political gain, and all of it excused by one side or another. If the American Republic isn't worth it, then can we be honest about it? We did not lose our country yesterday, but we received a warning that our country is in danger. And it is most in danger, this is his words, I think from the spirit of self-righteousness that has gripped our nation. Each of us seems to hold our views as unassailable. Each of us regards other views as monstrous. From the cauldron only, from this cauldron only, poison will be brewed, which is, I have to concur with that. I have spoken for myself here. This is his words, not mine. Not for my method, for the moment. I don't care for the method or for the understanding. I long for the lost world in which reasonable people could disagree over politics and still be friends. Donald Trump did not rip friendships apart. We did that to ourselves. There is no wisdom or genius in what I have said. For now, it is what it is. I will seek to return to ironic distance soon. But my country is in danger and now is not the time for distance, nor the endless chatter of opinions passionately repeated. I love this country, and it's time for its citizens to get a grip. Your thoughts on that, Holland, brother? Well, yes. Uh, we probably, most of us have lost friends over uh, these political issues. Uh, some of us have gained enemies. And uh, that's unfortunate, I don't know what to make of it. It is, it is sad to lose friends over these issues, over politics. But passions are raised on both sides. You know, many of the Trump people see themselves fighting a pedo-satanic elite command structure and cannot fathom why anyone who would be against them cannot be portrayed as evil. Meanwhile, on the left, many people view the Trump people as, you know, uh, uh, rabid racists and Nazis. So, uh, obviously, we need to meet in the middle. But part of this has been drummed up by the media, okay? I don't know if this... Indeed. I don't know if this guy who wrote this put enough emphasis on that, but the media has... The mainstream media has been ramping up passions to divide the populace. This is a tactic. They've been employing it. And it has worked. For what purpose? Well, to divide and conquer the country, quite obviously. Indeed, it's Solinsky tactics, rules for radicals. This is 101. And uh, it is by design. I think we all can agree on that, right? Yes. And, uh, you know, 
think of Trump what you want, he has been the greatest threat to the established order uh, in nine generation. Whether you favor the established order or not, he has been a threat to the established order. And the established order is endeavoring with all its might and tactics, power, money, and scruples, lack of, lack thereof, to uh, destroy his presidency. Now they are talking impeachment and 25th Amendment and so forth. And uh, why? If, if he truly has lost the election, are they worried about him bringing up more cases of electoral fraud, bringing that to the people? I think that's a legitimate threat. If he can establish that electoral fraud, without a doubt, as we see the evidence coming out of Italy, which I have yet to make heads or tails of. But uh, if he's able to establish that massive electoral fraud took place, uh, perhaps that is why they're trying to remove him. I mean, they're talking about starting impeachment ceremonies or impeachment hearings tomorrow, although I'm not quite sure how that will happen with Congress's, uh, I believe, out of session. They would have to call Congress back into session for this. So uh, we will see. But Trump has been a threat to the established order. They're endeavoring to take him down. And many people, the public, the populace, the citizens, have chosen sides. And this has been the most divided the electorate has been, uh, well, since 1860, probably. And, I agree. Uh, that's, a, that's a bad precedent. Well, it's, it's horrible. You and I both know this. Uh from our time in the military and whatnot. Mm-hmm. One of the things that really disturbs me the most is that um, when you look at this and you see how it's going, this is pure with some of the ramblings that Biden's put. And yes, it's been a lot of incoherent ramblings, uh, but some of it's uh, been very clear. And he's talked about taking guns talked very clearly about taking away people's rights to freedom of movement, i.e. another 100 days of whatever, lockdowns. And then it's purely shown the one good thing that came out of it, because I've always been a political atheist, because up until Trump, you had the neocons to the neoprogressives, the neoprogs, and that's all we had to vote for, and it was two heads of the same snake body. Those two heads were feeding the same snake body and have been for quite a while. And the one thing I liked about Trump was he exposed it, especially during this time. Notice once he started having issues, you saw Graham, all of them, going back to their old neocon ways. Your thoughts on that, brother? Well, yeah. And the thing about Trump is, you know, he's not a politician. He came out from totally outside the political system. He owed no favors to the political system. He had no friends in the political system, and the political system didn't want him. And even with his own party, he had to fight uphill in his own party. The Republican establishment uh, fought tooth and nail to uh, to stop his presidency. I mean, they wanted Jeb Bush, <laughs> for God's sakes, uh, to run against Hillary. Obviously, Hillary would have won that one. Um, and that was their that was their plan: was to run Jeb Bush or another neocon loser. Uh, who has no chance against Hillary? And I was, I was, I was very skeptical about Trump in the beginning because I just knew he was some New York millionaire who was on TV, and I could care less about him. And uh, in fact, I did not even vote for him in 2016 because he promised to uh, renew the Patriot Act. <laughs> well, a promise he kept, mind you. At least he keeps his promises. And uh, so, but I saw the enemies arrayed against him. And I realized that his enemies were were my enemies. And uh, I, I slowly and surely became a Trump supporter. And this has led to uh, uh, the breakup of friendships. Uh, it has led to me being attacked by you know, at least one member of my own family. Um, and this is unfortunate. This is extremely unfortunate. And I just wonder at this rabid reaction that Trump arises within so many people, why they're willing to forego friends and family to destroy lifelong relationships over a political issue. 
I offered I offered no uh, enmity towards people who were politically uh, had a different opinion than me, but I rapidly became a pariah among uh, at least one of my peer groups, uh, the younger hipster peer group, <laughs> uh, the soy boy uh, peer group. Which you know it's it's a, it, that's sad, but I guess I'm not going to mourn it too much. I'm probably not missing out too much on that scene, but. Uh, it has been interesting, and I, I don't know what has caused this divergent stream in people, not just in politics, but in personalities, why so many people can hate Trump so much, based upon slander cast upon him by the mainstream media. I mean, so many people who, who qualify themselves as rebels in the resistance are citing the mainstream media left and right and siding with Bezos and Big Box and Big Pharma and Big Tech and Big Defense and uh, all the big companies, okay? You know, the oppressors in their uh, worldview. Why are you on the side of Jeff Bezos, Bill Gates? Um, this is very confusing to me. With their cotton slippers and their beanies and their soy lattes uh, muttering uh, about capitalism, yet you're taking the side of the biggest capitalists, the neo-capitalists in the world, against Donald Trump, who, you know, dissolved the slave, uh, the slave trade, slave trade tra chain uh, that was being, making all of our products between here and China. He attacked it. Walmart hates Trump because he screwed up their supply chain. Uh, why are you taking the side of Walmart if you, if you fancy yourself a rebel? I mean, I just, I do not understand this. Yeah, they become corporatist, I know. And it's it's really funny, right? Mm -hmm. One thing so, I just saw on, they haven't pulled Parler down yet. I just oh, I got Parler on it. right now, waiting for it to go down. Yep. Uh, developing. Democrats in both houses and Senate. Both the House and Senate are planning to draft legislation to classify MAGA rallies as domestic terrorist activity, requiring the FBI, DOJ, and DHS to take steps to prevent such domestic terrorism. Senator Durbin is leading the effort along with Rep Representative Schneider. Hmm. I wonder what contacts those two people have had with the Chinese Communist Party. I bet they're up to their knees in that tall grass my brother so folks everybody voted for trump now you're going to be classified as terrorist and what they just start chiming about is that new terrorist act it's it sounds real familiar. hitler called it the enabling act after the burning of the reichstag if memory serves right that is correct and what we're seeing and, and you know it's you have you you have a bifurcation in your brain if you can look at what happened this past year and especially this past summer with BLM and Antifa and uh, put that on any level to MAGA rallies, okay? MAGA rallies have been marked by their presumable lack of violence. I mean, things happen, but it's not widespread. It's certainly not encouraged, and it's certainly condemned by the MAGA people. And what happened this past week in the Capitol, well, come on, people. I mean, many of the people who broke in there have already been ID'd by name, by people who know them as BLM Antifa activists. I mean, are we supposed to ignore that? I mean, that is a fact. That, that cannot be denied. That is a fact. It is also a fact that the Capitol Police let them in for whatever reason. Uh, probably to uh, provide the photo ops and the propaganda opportunity, I can only imagine. I mean, you and I are, are, and we have discussed this, we're fully aware of the security levels that are maintained at the Capitol building. Indeed. Uh, unarmed crowds are not allowed to kick their way in. Sorry, I can tell you this, that once the barricades were breached, in this case, they were breached. The cops, you know, set the barricades aside and let them in. Once the barricades were crossed, the, uh, all, the, all the Darth Vader's would have unleashed a Napoleonic volley of smoke grenades, flashbangs, tear gas, and, yes, rubber bullets to prevent a criminal breach of the U.S. Capitol building. 
Indeed, and I thought a really suspicious picture that one of the regular kind of uh, citizen reporters that actually were reporting for outlets captured a Getty uh, photographer up in that upper gallery that goes behind the dais. And it kind of amazed me that here's this guy dressed in black, a well-known Getty reporter, taking images of the people coming in. So he had to have been placed there to capture those photos that we see. And it's like, why when everybody else is, is hazarding down, do they ensure that not only does he get a view of it, but a bird's eye view? And you know, getting up into that area, that's a secured area to get to because you got the curtain behind them. You know what I'm saying about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, all, all of the areas in there are marked by security levels and who can get it go to where. Because, I mean, the congressional offices are in there. The chambers are in there. No one's allowed to walk around and position themselves while uh, a, a, a riot is going. Uh, so, I mean, one must ask, what happened? How did this happen? Why did the cops pick up the barricades and open them up for the people to stream in? Why would they do that? That They did it because they got a call over the radio. Okay, so who's making that call? Yep. I mean, those cops, you know, cops are neutral, man. If you got a good system, you got good cops. If you got a bad system, you got bad cops. You know what cops do? Cops do what they're told. That's what they do. Yep. Okay. They enforce political will. Exactly. They, they do what they're told. Okay. And if, they, and if they're told to open up the barricades, they're going to open up the barricades. That's all there is to it. If they're told not to, they're, they're not going to. If they're told to fire into the crowd with riot control munitions, they're going to do so. And the protocol is to fire into a, a rampaging crowd with uh, riot control munitions. So who made the call not to do that? They had to call that off. You don't even have to order that. That's what would have happened. Someone called that off. And this is not speculation or pulling things out of thin air. When BLM and Antifa showed up to the Capitol building this past summer, the Capitol building was ringed with hundreds of Darth Vader's with batons, flexing their batons at order arms, ready, salivating to crack skulls. And the Capitol Police are not under the control of President Trump. They're under the control of the mayor of D.C., who's an Obama Democrat a friend of the Obamas. So who had control of them? Why were they not executing the standard uh, protocol to defend the Capitol? I mean, this is just classic provocation, false flag for a photo and propaganda opportunity. The media jumps on it, and uh, the soy boy brigades use it as further justification to demonize the MAGA crowd. Now they're going to classify MAGA rallies as terrorist activities, which I'm going to be on that list. I'm, I've been front and center at MAGA rallies in my home state. I've posted yep. from them. I have had my yep. picture on them. So, I mean, whatever, I don't care. I mean, if the day comes that I get demonized and criminalized for my political activity, that's the day that, well, other things are going to happen. <laughs> so uh, uh, America ceases to be America at that point. Yeah. I mean, everybody thinks this is unprecedented. I have some institutional memory because, fortunately, when I was young, uh, they all died in their 70s. But I had – they were friends of the family. I've talked about them before, Edie and Opie. Uh, they both served in the military. But they talked about a story that after World War One, everybody forgets about this event. And General Patton, believe it or not, is the one who – he wasn't a general at that point. Uh, he was mobilized to go and quash it. World War I veterans were promised a bonus check. Mm -hmm. And in 1932, they invaded the Capitol, demanding Congress give them their World War I bonus checks. And there is phone or photos out there. I'm sure you can go to probably Getty Images or Alarm Photos and find those old images. And you will see that they not only invaded Congress, they invaded the uh, they were they were all over. And what did General Patton do when they still had horses and those old rickety tanks? He did a cavalry like charge on the on the bonus army camp. That's right, and executed how many thousands? People forget people died that day. Yep. Thousands of people 
killed by one of our most revered generals. Why did he do it? The will of the Congress and the president. He was following and, and who was the president at that time? So was it FDR yeah. too? Yeah. I, I believe so. Yeah. And and so well, No, that folks, was Hoover, right? Was Hoover, Hoover right before FDR. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because it was 33, I think, when FDR came in. So check me on that. Uh, I can be wrong, and I'm good with being wrong. Uh, But the point is, that did happen. And they were also, in the pictures that I remember seeing, uh, they were also all over the uh, um, Supreme Court building. I mean, they were, it was a mass of people. If you think the MAGA rally was big, this thing Gee, many Christmas. How many World War One veterans did we have? I think they all massed from every state in the Union, if memory serves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so they were simply they, they were simply demanding the, their promised bonus in the middle of the Great Depression because they were suffering, and uh, they were they were dispatched with cavalry and tanks and tear gas, and many died uh, by the active U.S. Army. Uh, in fact, one of General Patton's uh, former aides who had saved his life in World War One dragged him into a hole for machine gun fire. Uh, uh, tried after he was part of the Bonus Army, this this uh, former aide of General Patton, and uh, after the attack on the Bonus Army, he tried to he tried to enter the army camp to demand to speak to General Patton about what had just occurred, and Patton refused to see him. So uh, yeah. So, yes, it's happened before. It happened again. But this was not, unlike the Bonus Army, this was not an organic protest. The protest itself was organic. But what happened at the Capitol building was a planned provocation. Uh, I mean, and some people... Making, I mean, they, all they had to do was to, to, uh, to gather the passions of the crowd. And all, we all know that a crowd uh, loses IQ points by how big it is. And uh, yep. so uh, once Pence announced that he was not going to reject any of the electors from the fraud-ridden states, the fraud-infused states, the false electors, the crowd was angry. And then it just took some Pied Pipers. Some Pied Pipers to show up and start knocking holes in the windows and kicking in the doors of the Capitol building without being stopped, mind you. Right. Uh, and the people followed in because they were angry. And this Pied Piper technique is something I've seen before myself here in Oklahoma City. Uh, when the BLM riots happened here in Oklahoma City, they only lasted two days. The Oklahoma City Police Department expended uh, their entire year's worth of riot control munitions in those two days and then put felony charges uh, on many of them and it all went away. They stopped. Imagine that. If you actually charge them with real crimes, they stopped doing those crimes. So anyways, yeah. what they watched the Pied Piper show up. We saw and watched and were getting information on people coming into, out of town. They were coming from Colorado, loading up with supplies, and the Pied Pipers were, were taking that BLM rally, which the local organizers organizers were not intent on committing any crimes because they would have to you know they would have to pay for those crimes. They live in Oklahoma City, but the out of town Pied Pipers started encouraging violence and attacking property and encouraging property destruction. Uh, we saw them. We watched this, and uh, they were stopped. And once it was realized that uh, the riots in Oklahoma City were impossible because charges would be placed on the rioters. The out-of-town organizers left, and they went back to Colorado. Those trucks were followed by police, and I've been informed that, yeah, they went back to Colorado. Yep. Well, I do know that one thing I do know. The uh, one guy, BLM supporter, I can't remember his name, standing right there as um, Babbitt, I think her name was, was shot in the throat. Ashley Babbitt. Uh, Ashley Babbitt, yes. Um she was in the military, Air Force, if memory serves. Yeah, she and was, of Fort course, was Iraq on the wire. She was Air Force security. She was security police, right? She wasn't a fobbit. Right. She was, man in a, she was man in a post on the wire. That's right. And, and she was a veteran, a combat veteran. Oh yeah, oh yeah. She she was security police exactly. 
And uh, security forces, I think, is what they renamed them. But uh, Air Force security forces, yeah. Uh, anyways, um, the interesting thing about that is there's a, a gentleman. He looks sort of black, maybe Hispanic. I don't know. But he's standing right there. Well, everybody was supposed to be arrested and had charges because he didn't even get out, right? Well, somehow, he's walking around D.C. right now. And the reason why we know this is Millie Weaver happened to be milling about a couple days after it. And she captures him, leaving the same hotel she was, and even asks him the question. Now, now that's something. And... uh, He's just he's talking to somebody. Yeah, nothing's going to happen to me. I'm protected. He's talking to somebody on the phone. Now, man, if that doesn't scream collusion, that's internal collusion. And whoever's protecting him, that's who they need to find out. A good investigator would find that out. But, uh, of course, that's all going to be covered up because they don't want that out there. It will mess with their narrative. And the more we mess with their narrative and more stuff is coming out daily that does mess with their narrative. And I think that's why they're shutting down Parler. Well, they're shutting down Parler for that also and also because Trump attempted to uh, uh, start speaking to the people through Parler. And they're right and they're doing everything they can to rob President Trump of his direct voice to the people. And that uh, is, you know, and here's the thing. There are allies that Trump has in foreign nations, and they're seeing what's going on. And this does not please them, seeing private corporations robbing a head of state of its ability to speak to his own population. Right. So, uh, anyways, there are things happening. There are things going on. It's not just here in the United States. Things are going on overseas. But we see what with Parler, what happened. And I'm, I'm waiting for it to get shut down. I'm watching. And uh, they are doing everything they can to rob the president of his voice to the people. He is still the president. He is not conceded. And he has not mentioned an incoming Biden administration. And that's why I still have hope that Trump will swear in once again on January 21st. Because he has not mentioned in in his statements, he has not mentioned the word concede nor concession nor has he mentioned an incoming Biden administration. As far as I 20th, can tell, not 21st, by the way, 20th. Oh, there we go. Thank you. And and as far as I can tell, the Biden administration is, is still not receiving intelligence briefings. So uh, I think the game is still in play. I think the electoral fraud, the evidence still needs to be u- utilized in a manner to uh, ensure that he wins this election because he did. And I'm not trying to say that Trump should seize power. He won that election in a landslide, a historic landslide, and they stole it from him. And frankly, he would be negligent in his duty to give up the office of the president to someone who subverted the Constitution to win it, or not to win it, to seize it illegally, unconstitutionally, and with the cooperation, perhaps the behest of an enemy foreign power, the Chinese Communist Party. Yep, and who does the most business with the Chinese? If you think about this, it makes perfect sense why Amazon's doing this to Parler as they're hosting. Number one importer for them, Walmart, several other big... You know, the big box stores really tend to benefit why the small mom and pop stores are going under. Those people that make craft-built clothing, stuff like that. Well, that's now going the way of Odududo because we get that cheap cheap chink shit. And uh, I'll say that because the communist Chinese, in my opinion, are that. They are the chink in the armor. I'll say that all day long. (laughs) And uh, so I have no problem saying that. That's not a slur to their race. It's a slur to that communist system. And uh, that's where that term actually came from, chink in the armor. It's an old expression that goes all the way back to the Middle Ages. You're looking for the weak spot of the armor. Well, the communist Chinese even know over there. That's why they're killing off the Uyghurs. That's why they're killing off everybody that is a dissident. That's why they want Taiwan and they're, and they're nailing Hong Kong. What flags is Hong Kong waving? They're waving American flags while we burn them. <laughs> 
It mm-hmm. drives me absolutely batshit crazy. Your thoughts, brother? And I've been to Hong Kong. Uh, I got to Hong Kong on uh, Liberty uh, Port while I was on the Westpac, right after it had been handed over to the uh, Chinese Communist Party, which Britain should never have done. That treaty was made uh, with the government that resides in Taiwan, not Beijing. They should have handed Hong Kong over to Taiwan, but, you know, the Brits are pussies. Anyways, uh, I, I was in Hong Kong, and it's a lovely city, and it's a lovely people. And I have, I've often said, and I, I've been, other Marines have told me that if they could live anywhere else in the, country, in the world besides the United States, they would live in Hong Kong. Beautiful place. Lovely people. Uh, before the communists uh, cracked down, they had functioning capitalism. You could start your own business. You could do what you wanted. You had free speech. Now the Chinese Communist Party has cracked down. They're shipping uh, people who, who, who criticize the Communist Party in Hong Kong for jury trials. Not jury trials, for trials in uh, Beijing, uh, not in Hong Kong. They're not trying them locally by a local jury. Uh, they, I mean, they busted into the Epoch Times and destroyed the presses and arrested the reporters. I mean, and the the mainstream media in the West remains silent on this crime that is being perpetuated upon Hong Kong. They were a free society. They were. And now it is being destroyed. And you have NBA players, you know, we know the one we're talking about, who uh, tells us that we're not educated if we uh, criticize the Chinese Communist Party <laughs> uh, and uh, and so forth. But uh, but we know where their uh, bread is buttered on that, and uh, it's disgusting to see the attack on the values of freedom, free speech, free association, freedom of religion that have all taken place over the past year, and we see the attacks on small business. Who benefits from that, man? The big box stores, the big box retailers, the big box online retailers, obviously Amazon, Walmart, they all benefit from this, from the death of small business. Uh, I mean, I mean, even Amazon is benefiting from the death of movie theaters. Now people are streaming. So uh, why are they encouraging the lockdown and the draconian measures that prevent free and open retail? Because it lines their pockets. So... Exactly. Just, they, go ahead. They get more of that American monopoly money. Look, I, I'll tell you this. Everybody's making a deal. I got to tell everybody something that I know for a fact. It says more than 6,000 military personnel expected in D.C. by the end of the weekend. And they're saying, oh, it's because of the U.S. Capitol thing. No, it's not. No. It's it's for whoever gets sworn in. I was a military policeman when Bush, I actually still have the badge. It had a little ring around it <clears throat> when I went down there to see him sworn in. I was in the guard. And uh, I was still in the guard. I hadn't left yet. And uh, that was my last thing. It had a little ring that says Bush's inauguration. You know, President Bush, n- number president, I can't remember, 42 or 43. I think it was 43. Anyways, um, so I have that. And we were there a couple weeks before, too, about 10 days. And they're like, well, they're coming. They may be coming from the other states. But see, that back then, that was represented by all 50 states. And uh, they only used MPs at that time. I don't know if they're using just MPs this time. They may have some more people, maybe some more specialists, if you know what I mean. I mean, they had, like, EOD and stuff like that. Don't get me wrong. But COM, the normal kind of support you'd have for some, an operation like that. But very few, you know, I didn't. I don't think I saw any infantry unit, no combat arms. They didn't have artillery. Well, the ceremonial artillery, but you know what I mean. Yeah. And that's all by First Army, I think the old guard. So, yeah, I mean, the stuff that, and plus the military that's there, you have eighth and I, the Marines, you have the old guard. Uh, so, you know, everybody needs to just relax about, you know, seeing national guard. You're going to see them every time a president's sworn in because the crowds are just too massive to police your thoughts. Well, yeah, uh, the national guard presence, 
in D.C. is anomalous because <clears throat> there are no more planned rallies. Uh, if the Capitol Police are doing their job, they can protect the Capitol. And there's not a planned inauguration celebration for Biden. He's basically saying it's not going to happen. It's going to be an online event uh, uh, if he does swear in, if he does partake in that ceremony. So why do we have the National Guard presence in D.C., you know, at the day after, you know, the shit went down, and there's nothing else going on in D.C. I mean, Congress is even out of session, I believe. So the continued National Guard presence in D.C. is anomalous, is strange, and needs to be looked into. Because, as, as you know, that the, the National Guard in D.C., they are controlled by President Trump, am I correct? No, the National Guard in D.C. is controlled by uh, the federal government, and uh, it may be a combination of all three branches, honestly, except, you know, because jurisdiction, legally it would be the UCMJ, but that still honestly falls under the Supreme Court because they can intervene in a uh, military courts martial. Uh, but the point is, I'm just saying I remember being there at least 10 days, seven days out, and they just started sending them in tonight. This more than 6,000 military personnel expected to D.C. by the end of the weekend. That's about the same time frame. And, yeah, maybe they're not going to have a formal swear, you know, a formal swearing in on the steps and whatnot. But you're still going to get crowds. It's D.C. And you're going to have pro and anti. You always do. And, uh, and then you're going to have the same shithead. Anar- well, I hate to say anarchist because a pure anarchist just means without rule, without rules. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're talking about talk about commie some, anarchists, commie, cam, commie, and also the the on the right, you have the accelerationist. So I mean, I, I give equal opportunity to both of those types. You know, they want to get rid of the system on both sides. And they're willing to use violence to enact their uh, political goals, which is the classical definition of terrorism on both sides. So uh, that's my only objection is using force to enforce your will or your beliefs, your political ideology. That's always been an issue with me, and it just drives me batshit crazy every time people say it you don't need to use force it should be the power of your argument but see we've become so polarized we're not speaking arguments anymore and we're not even speaking cross platforms anymore i mean when when you'd see antifa and people would start to have a conversation with them you saw it all the time at the rallies some people would be nodding their heads and they'd be both talking and there'd always be somebody with a loudspeaker getting in between them and starting to chant and it would shut down the conversation. They don't want to hear the conversation on the left. And I honestly think now the right's sick of the conversation because they're sick of being edited by political correctness, cultural Marxism. Your thoughts? And they're tired of being segregated uh, by big tech and big media uh, into ghettos. Okay. And, uh, you know, if you, if, you, if you rob us of the soapbox, you rob us of the voting box you rob us of the the jury box uh we have the we have you know the cartridge box i, I hate to say that but that maybe they're attempting to push the, the right-minded people the right-wing people into a, uh, a state of mind that is under siege and feels they must lash out with violence because if biden swears in and does become president and we cannot rule that out I'm holding out hope for Trump, like I said, because he has not said the word concession, concede, nor mentioned an incoming Biden administration. Right. If Biden, if Biden does swear in, uh, it's over. Okay. They're already saying about, like I said, like you mentioned, criminalizing those who have taken part in MAGA rallies, uh, you know, criminalizing free speech, uh, executive order seizure of firearms, executive order uh, closing down of free speech platforms. Uh, you know, that's, that's a bad road to go down, man. Okay. And, uh, the American people have been pushed into a lot of boxes they don't want to be in, but at some point they will bite back. Okay. Oh, I agree. 
So, and what they will do, and I can tell you this as an experienced investigator in the Oklahoma City bombing, that if Biden swears in and gets his uh, new pick for Attorney General Merrick Garland, uh, who was instrumental in the cover-up of the Oklahoma City bombing, we will see, and this is not a prediction, this is not a prophecy, this is a fact of life, we will see new Oklahoma City bombing-like events to be blamed on the right wing because he is putting someone in charge who executed that cover-up and benefited politically and, and, and uh, benefited his political benefactors in that attack. And that is a sad state of affairs. We're going to see bloodshed. We're going to see major innocents killed. And it is going to be blamed on conspiracy theorists, right-wingers, Trump people, and it's going to be used to justify every crackdown they can. This is happening if Biden swears in. And that is, those are the stakes we face. And that is, it will happen. They will simply false flag every agenda they need to implement. They will just do it. Oh, yeah. They'll, just like with that guy with AT&T, we really don't know his true motivations in Nashville. We don't. They just said, oh, he was a conspiracy theorist to 5G. Really? We know that. No, we don't. As far as I've been able to glean, he was suicidal. And, you know, he just wanted to go out with a bang or whatever. And maybe he had a beef with AT&T. But he was a dumbass. He was a kook. And this kind of thing, when you shut down people's talk, you're going to have kooky people do kooky shit. And, and that's the thing we need to avoid. And you're right. I can't find fault with what you said. Most things that I've seen happen that were big, that moved people, were setups. Whether they be people who did mass shootings. And now, by the way, with the WikiLeaks last drop, we know the Vegas shooting was covered up by the FBI. Um, you know, it's like I said one time, I don't know if it was here or with you on one of my shows. You know, when you added the dirtiest police organization, the ATF, Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, now BATFE, Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, and Explosives, which had, you know, the explosives part's probably the cleanest part of that agency because it just people who deal with explosives they have a job the other people have to have a certain amount of crimes and collect taxes that's why they were in department of uh treasury once they took them out of treasury under homeland you know when they reorganized everything and put them in doj department of justice you just poured dirty water in the most politically charged agency in federal law enforcement into the quote-unquote clean water of the FBI. So you're going to get a filthy agency. You don't get clean water by dumping in some dirty water. Mm -hmm. Your thought? Exactly. And, uh, you know, the ATS role in the Oklahoma City bombing is still murky, as their office in the federal building was empty that morning, uh, uncharacteristically, uh, and the agents on the scene who showed up admitted that they had been warned by Pager not to come in to work that morning. Uh, this has been documented time and time over. And if you want to look up the documentation on that, check out my documentary, A Noble Lie, Oklahoma City in 1995. It can be found on BitChute, pirate versions on uh, uh, YouTube. It's even on Amazon Prime, I believe, unless they've taken it down. But uh, just look it up on BitChute. And... Uh, and you can see the role that the federal government played in uh, monopolizing the story, the narrative, and excluding all of the eyewitness accounts that disputed the official story. And the thing about a noble lie is most of our uh, uh, witnesses that we interview, they're government employees, <laughs> okay? It was a right. federal building, right. okay? We weren't interviewing conspiracy nuts. Uh, most of the people we interviewed were, were government employees, cops, uh, people who worked inside the building for HUD uh, and other agencies. Uh, I mean, held we security were, clearances. So yes. they weren't nuts. Yeah. Yes. I mean, one of them had already testified before Congress on union issues. He was Vice President Jane Graham of the local Federal Employees Union. 
So uh, these are all credible witnesses, and, and the reason we were able to do that is there's such an enormous abundance of evidence on the Oklahoma City bombing, and we just had two hours to tell the story that we could cherry-pick the very best of our witnesses and evidence to include. We didn't have to include anything shaky or sketchy or unverified. We had to exclude volumes of evidence that, that was verified simply for the time limit and to make the story flow. So uh, they're going to implement the Oklahoma City agenda. Okay. He's announced Merrick yeah. Garland as his new attorney general. He was instrumental in the cover-up of the Oklahoma City bombing under the Clinton White House. And uh, that is going to happen. And it's not just about political uh, freedoms we're going to be losing. They're going to kill people. They're going to throw up a bloody body count to justify their political agenda. To be blamed. Or yeah. Well, remember, just... after the bombing, you know this as well as I do, how many federal agents were picking up papers? They were picking up papers because of what was held there to cover up for the Clintons. And yeah. this is something nobody ever wants to talk about. And it was the dirty land deals and all that stuff. That's where that federal paperwork was being held. That's way before we had computerized systems, but we didn't really, we always had more, well, still within the government, there's always paper backup. But one of the interesting things to me, the hero, one of the main heroes, you know, I'm about to talk about Terry, and I always forget his last name, Terry, and it Terry breaks Aikie. my heart. Aikie. Terry Aiki, uh, the death toll did not stop at the bombing. This man saved people and also carried broken children's bodies and had that in his mind. And yet they say he committed suicide on a lone highway when he had ligature marks of being bound and tied like a pig, hog-tied, and the bullet in, his, in the back of his head. It doesn't make yeah. sense. The bullet, not, that's entered, like, the bullet entered at a, from an upward angle and exited uh, at his lower jaw. And they labeled it a suicide, but they did not perform ballistic tests on the weapon. They performed no autopsy. They find a dead cop in the woods. He was actually a mile and a half from his car, uh, which was full of blood, right. by the way. His car was right. full of blood. The, uh, the responding Canadian county sheriff said that uh, the blood was almost all the way up to where uh, it almost spilled out. It was so full of blood. He was dragged. His, his wounds were packed full of uh, grass and dirt. And he was executed while handcuffed because they were torturing him. They were questioning him about what he discovered, what he knew. Cherokee was the first officer to respond to the Oklahoma City bombing. He was just a couple blocks away writing a speeding ticket when the building blow, blows up. Obviously, he throws down his, uh, his, his pad and speeds to the building and starts pulling people out. He saved eight lives that day. Uh, in fact, he was injured. He fell into one of the into one of the holes, and he had to be evacuated himself. Um, Terry Yakey was the honor yeah. graduate from the Oklahoma City Police Academy. He was an exemplary officer. He was uh, a leading uh, a speaker in the Dare program to keep kids off drugs. And I get contacted by people who knew Terry as a child all the time. Just a few weeks ago talk to someone about this. They knew Terry. He was, Terry was a huge man. He was one of the largest police officers on the force. He was a giant. But he was a big teddy bear. And he'd show up to those classrooms and he'd let those kids crawl all over him and he'd tell them about the dangers of drugs and gangs. And he was serious. I've talked to his family. I'm friends with their family. He was, he was a, a boy scout. Okay. I could tell a story about that, but I won't. I won't take up too much more time on that. But Terry Yankee, when he pulled up to the building, one thing he noticed before he went in to go pull people out was that there were FBI agents, dozens of them, watching what was happening. And not only from, and that's the weird thing about that is that the FBI office was not in the federal building. It was six miles away. Uh, they're already there. He was there three minutes after the bombing. And there's dozens of FBI agents watching, and he noticed that many of them were, at, were from out of town, out of state, because he knew the federal right. building. He knew how it happened, right. and, he, and he saw the parking lot uh, across the street where they all parked, and the FBI, they all drive the same car. <laughs> okay? uh, 
right, right now in Oklahoma City, they drive Chevy Equinoxes. Uh, but back then, they all they still do. They still drive the same car, and they're all out of state plates. Yeah, it's all common plate. stock. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. So he knew that uh, a bunch of out of town FBI agents were happening to be Oklahoma City watching the bombing go down. He didn't know why, and he didn't even think about it. He went into the building and started pulling people out. But after they started putting up the official bullshit story, he started asking questions. He started gathering evidence. And the rumor is, and this is not confirmed, and this is not in the film because it's not confirmed. But the rumor is is that Terry Yankee had acquired a videotape of the bombing from the Oklahoma City Evidence Room. And this is why he was killed because they needed that. And, Very interesting. Uh, and that would have shown that there were more than one person in the truck and that there were more people involved in the bombing. And the morning after Terry was found dead, the FBI badged their way into his bank without a warrant, just forced their way in and looted his safety deposit box, emptied it out. So we don't know what was in there, but it is gone. And Terry is dead. And he was a hero. He was a hero before the bombing to thousands of children all over the state of Oklahoma, in Tulsa, not just Oklahoma City. He traveled all over the state talking to kids. He was a hero before the bombing. He was a hero at the bombing. And he was a hero after the bombing. And he died tortured, scared, handcuffed, in a field, shot in the head by some evil sons of bitches whenever I get my hands on them. I can only imagine he died a hero. He probably didn't tell him fuck all. That's why there was so much blood. They probably tortured his ass. But here's here's the point on it. Uh, I tell people all the time, if you ever come across something that's evidentiary or something big, first off, uh, they're going to go to people you know, people local. They're going to go to anything you own. You don't have it at your house. Uh, it, the best thing that I've found with stuff that I have, you know, I give it to brothers of mine overseas. That stuff's gone. That stuff's memory hold unless I die. And I do it in a legal fashion. You know, I do it through a way that, I, you know, I'm able to do it. And they'll never know where, where everything's at. Fuck, my family doesn't even know. But if things happen, uh, that stuff comes out. And that's the whole point of this, man. You, uh, you ha- it's your, if you're involved in the government and you find something and you've alerted people, you've done your due diligence, and you trust somebody that you know that will never come out unless you die in mysterious circumstances, if I died normally... And a heart attack, if I'm if I'm not if I don't have a heart problem, if I die of a heart attack, that's not a normal thing. Uh, then guess what? It comes out. And if I die normally, nah, it'll it'll stay memory hold because I know those people will never put it anywhere. And that's that's the kind of thing you have to have. But it comes from brotherhood, and never let everybody know who your brothers are. And that's the biggest thing. And know your brothers, and know their. Keep up with them, see their headspace, see if those people are going goofy. If they're going goofy, and you gave them something, get it back. You're responsible for it as long as you're alive. And um, I guess that's my two cents. And I hope that Terry did that. And I I mean that by the way that you were talking about the video. If he had it, I hope it went to somebody, and it will drop when it needs to drop. Well, sure I, he, he, I, we do believe that he did He did talk. There was another copy of the video at another location with a friend, and that uh, location was burgled, and the video, that video was taken and nothing else. Uh, he had little choice. They were threat- I'm sure they were threatening his family and his children, and, uh, and th- th- that's no slight upon him. He had no choice in the matter. And, uh, and and God knows if the video would have done any good, regardless, you know, because the story was controlled. There was no internet back then, Well, there was very little internet, and uh, uh, and there was certainly there wasn't a major news organization that was going to run with the video. So I mean, 
what happened happened. Terry is a hero. He died a hero. And uh, I think he looks down upon our endeavors and wishes us well. Because I bet he does. Know. I bet he does. And I remember Alex Jones was one of the guys that really helped push the video of Noble Lie. And there's a companion book that you and Dr. Wendy S. Uh, painting uh, were involved with. Well, and Wendy, Wendy, called... Wendy is the author of that book. Uh, right. I, I just merely assisted in her research on a couple of occasions. Well, right. Okay. And cool. provided editing assistance. But the book is, told, is, is entitled Aberrations in the Heartland of the Real. It can be found, found uh, at, uh, uh, I forget the name of the publishing house, but it'll be found on Amazon. And uh, anyways, Wendy was our co-writer and co-producer on the film, and she uh, wrote a book based upon her uh, Ph.D. doctorate, which was on the bombing in American Studies at the University of Rochester, New York. And she, uh, she tracked down witnesses, sometimes on her own. I was, on her, I was with her on one occasion when uh, we were harassed by two uh, people <laughs> who were trying to scare us with threats of violence. But it, it didn't scare me. <laughs> I laughed at them, and they eventually went away. But uh, anyways, uh, that book is entitled Aberrations in the Heartland of the Real, The Secret Lives of Timothy McVeigh. And it's an excellent book. It also has... Uh, for veterans out there who are listening, it has one of the best, the absolute best account of Timothy McVeigh's experience in the first Gulf War. It goes, there's a whole chapter or two on just his experience in the Gulf War and how it may have affected his thinking and, and what he saw. And he was there. And, I, and I'm, I'm not saying Timothy McVeigh was an innocent man. He wasn't. He was complicit in a mass atrocity, just he was not the mastermind. But he was there with the big red one watching while engineer crews bulldozed Iraqi positions and buried alive thousands upon thousands of, of drafted Iraqi soldiers with their arms and limbs sticking out of those sand piles. And that affected him. He didn't like that. It was not a noble way to fight a war in his thinking. And uh, anyway, she also gets into his induction into special forces, his strange induction into special forces, his strange um, rejection from special forces didn't make any sense. And uh, it, anyways, it's, a, it's, it's an excellent book. And McVeigh himself wrote letters to his family stating that he was still working for special forces, that he was carrying out missions on behalf of special forces on the domestic level. So uh, it's an excellent book. And in the film, yep. we cover that also. Yep. Looks like we're uh, drawing down. And it's always great having you on. Uh, with that clicking, I don't know what it is because I'm not touching nothing. I'm sure Holland's not. And I don't know if uh, PSN is clicking buttons, but so I hear funny. it too. It's not a lighter. Yeah, you've heard it too. I don't know. So, yeah, no, it ha it's happening a lot recently with Holland being on. Maybe it's something to do with his connection. I don't know. Or maybe your connection. Might be, connection. My, connection. Might be yeah. my mouse. But it, it's kind of, are you clicking on the mouse on the browser? Well, I, I'm, you know, I'm reading stuff with my mouse. See, there you go. That's, that loud clicking is click, 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 Roger, click, click. Roger that. Get, that's what I'm talking about. It's, it, the problem is when you're doing that... Yeah, when you, when I, you do I, that, I, it drowns out the voice of everybody else talking, and, and there's a lot of uh, issue with that because we can't make out words sometimes because you're clicking over words. Roger that. <laughs> oh, all right, cool. Anyways, uh, so what we'll do is uh, since we're down to the final wire, uh, we are super happy you guys were able to join us in Castle Tokyo. And the orange couch. And just meander on out with your coffee, tea, and adult libation. Remember, it's always time to play the game, but you got to know how to play it. And, you know, that's pretty much. You, listen to Lemmy's song, The Game, and I think you'll understand. With that being said, meander on out.
I'll slowly raise the drawbridge after the last person exits. Kaiser's Castle. Uh, look for me on uh, YouTube, Sword Point Nine, and also on BitChute, Sword Point Nine. Comment spelling the room. Will-